It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic. Your daily Orlando Magic Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is November 9th, 2020. Good afternoon. My name is Philip Ross, I'm the site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to dive into my Orlando Magic Daily Mailbag, answer a few questions uh, that are kind of pressing about the summer and the offseason. I guess it's not the summer anymore, but again, about the offseason. As we get ready for the NBA draft, one week from Wednesday, one week to go until the NBA draft. Get excited. Uh, Well, we've got plenty more draft coverage to come here in the coming weeks. Plus, we'll start looking ahead to free agency uh, over the course of today's episode as well as into next week as well. And in the aftermath of the draft as the trades will open up on November 16th, um, or it looks like November 16th, certainly before the draft will open up. Uh, and then free agency is set to begin probably on December 1st. So, you know, some dates still need to be hardened and, 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 and solidified, but we are getting closer and closer to the offseason, so plenty to get to. And yes, that does mean the new season of Locked On Magic will begin very, very soon. I don't know if that's how... These things are organized, but that's how I've organized them. Before we do any of that, though, I do want to remind you all you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're searching for every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, this podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown on, say, I don't know, the Atlanta Hawks, the New York Knicks, the San Antonio Spurs, whoever you want the lowdown on, search for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Wherever you download podcasts, you can also find great podcasts in the NFL, like Locked On Bucks. Well, maybe not not after this week, but uh, you can find great podcasts in the NFL, NF, MLB, NHL, and College Two, plus all NBA teams. No matter what your team is, no matter who you cheer for, no matter who you're interested in, you can find them all on the Locked On Podcast Network. Just search for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Today's episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com. And use promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, that's 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Use promo code Locked On. Before we dive into the mailbag, 
um, and get to our first question here. I, I want to lay out some ground rules. I want to just make sure um, everyone kind of understands how I viewed this offseason. Um, I know I've had some discussions on this show before about my general philosophy about how I break down the team and how I interact with fans uh, and interact with followers. And I love interacting with Magic fans. And I love interacting with followers. We get into great debates. Debates are good. And generally, everyone is asking the right questions. I'm very, very happy um, as, an, as an observer and as someone who you know has a little bit of contact and thinks about a lot of these issues that Magic fans are being really, really smart. There are a lot of Magic fans that are not satisfied with being a 7 or 8 seed and disappointed in the 2020 season. That is good. There are a lot of Magic fans who are asking, how does this team get better? How do we move forward? How do we get these young players that we want to focus on? How do we get them into better positions to succeed? Those are the right questions to ask, and some of them will be asked here today. I will not have very many answers. My general approach, though, has been to answer these questions very realistically. Um, I don't necessarily always let my opinions out um, because, frankly, I, as much as I do offer my opinion and, and my conclusions on analysis, I really want to be a conversation starter and a conversation facilitator. And so sometimes that does mean I play devil's advocate. That sometimes means I don't fully explain or fully express what I think. Or I will say, uh, oftentimes I will say to someone, I agree with your point. Your point is valid. I actually think that you're, you're spot on. But let's consider this too. And, 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 and this is, and frankly, that, that let's consider this too is at the very heart of everything we're breaking down this offseason. The Magic have made the playoffs two straight years. Yes, Jonathan Isaac is not likely to play in 2021, but as constructed, this Magic team should feel that it is a playoff team. Now, whether they make the playoffs or not is certainly up for debate, and it should be abundantly clear that we are not talking about a team that's going to climb up to fifth, fourth, you know, real contention here. We're not talking about that kind of a team. At best, yes, the Magic in 2021 are likely to top off as a 7 or 8 seed finish around 500 for the third straight year. To me, that's neither good nor bad, but it's also not good or bad. And that's neither good nor bad. I, I, I had a smart point there somewhere. But the essential the point is this. The way I'm breaking down what the Magic are going to try and do, and the way I've responded to a lot of people, and the way I'm going to respond to a lot of these questions is built upon one central premise. And that premise is that this front office does not believe in tanking. Or, or, or maybe I should put it this way. This front office firmly believes that young players, developing players, grow best where they are playing meaningful games late in the season. That's the philosophy that Jeff Waltman had in Toronto. That's the philosophy John Hammond had in Milwaukee. They firmly believe that players develop best when they are in a position to and when they are competing for something meaningful. And that's where a lot of my analysis of what the Magic are going to try and do um, has, has been born out of. A lot of people have asked me, the Magic, or a lot of people have told me, the Magic have to trade Nikola Vucevic and Evan Fournier and start moving away from those players. And my response has always been, yes, I agree. I know I come off online, and, and I, 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 I'm certainly, I, I think both Nikola Vucevic and Evan Fournier have taken um, more hate than they deserve for how they played, but I agree completely that those two players are not likely part of this team's long-term future. Those two players 
are not part of what this team ultimately wants to be. And the overarching goal that I've had for this offseason is the Magic need to begin making moves to make this team what they ultimately want it to be. Whatever that is. Whatever it is that Jeff Waltman envisions for this team, they have to start making moves toward it. That's why I've often said, you know, look, these players, every player on the Magic, outside of probably Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz, and honestly, Chumo Kiki, and probably Mo Bamba, those are the core players. Those are the key players that this front office probably really cares about. All, every other player should be on the board, should be available to be traded. And the Magic should be aggressively searching for trades to get to deal them. But they should only trade them if a deal makes sense. They should only trade them if they get something out of it, if they get something they want out of it. Because at the end of the day, the Magic's primary goal for the upcoming season is to make the playoffs again. As small as that goal is, the Magic are not likely, and honestly, it would take more work for them to become as bad as they need to be to get a top pick in this draft or to be in position to get a top pick in this draft. They are not likely to be bad enough to be a front runner for the top pick in the draft. Now, the Golden State Warriors are proof that even a playoff team can have a disastrous season and fall off the map. I'm not here to tell you, I'm not here to guarantee that the Magic will make the playoffs. I'm not here to guarantee any kind of outcome for the upcoming season. But my frame of mind, the way that I read this front office, the way that I read what the Magic are trying to do, starts from the premise that the Magic believe they are a playoff team, that the Magic believe entering the season that they are a playoff-capable team. And as I've said throughout this offseason, some of it being just kind of the Magic fan in me getting, getting its stander up, because I've frankly seen this pessimism from Magic fans. Part of this is that there's no reason to think the Magic can't make the playoffs again. Yes, Washington might be better, and Chicago might be better, and Atlanta almost certainly will be better. But there's still no reason the Magic can't make the playoffs. Last year, they were on track to win 38-39 to 39 games, which again, no, one's, no one is, is hanging a banner for winning 39 games and making the playoffs. So, you know, Some people were harsh on the Magic for winning 42 games and hanging a Southeast Division banner inside their practice facility. Considering how long it's been since the Magic won, that's won a division championship and had any kind of banner to hang, I, I'm not going to begrudge them. I, I think I said at the time that, that it's important, but not the most important thing. They, the, the players, uh, certainly the players, felt like it meant something. Um, so, I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and celebrate the potential for another 38, 39, 40, 41, 42 win season. Like, I, 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 I don't think that's the end goal. And, and ultimately, the Magic want to be making progress toward being a 6-5-4 a seed like they did at the end of last, like they did at the beginning of last season. But, again, we all objectively agree that this Magic team had a bad year in 2020. They had a lot of injuries. So they were still a 38 or 39 win team with all those injuries, with all that disappointment. As I've said often, why assume Atlanta's going to be better? Why assume Chicago's going to be better? Why assume Washington's going to be better and not Orlando? Again, this is not to say that making the playoffs will be easy. This is not to say that making the playoffs are guaranteed. This is not to say disaster won't strike this team. But... At the beginning of the season, when everyone is 0-0 zero and zero, and you're fairly assessing what this Magic team can do, not necessarily what they will do, what they can do, this Magic team has delivered the benefit of the doubt. And everyone should believe that this is a playoff-capable team, at least as currently constructed. There's obviously going to be changes. There's obviously going to be some things happening over the next few days, or next few weeks. 
So this is all to say my frame of reference when I think about what this Magic team is going to do in the offseason and where I think this Magic team is going starts from that important premise that this is a playoff-capable team, that this is a franchise that wants to be in the playoffs yet again, and there's no reason to think otherwise. So with that, let's open the mailbag a little bit. Let's 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 see what questions that you guys had for us. Um, I'm going to start. Let me go. Let me dive through. I got a few questions in here that I want to save for later. Um, let's start with Kevio uh, at Kevin A Jones Seven asks, "What changes would you like to see from this group next year?" So I laid out the basic premise. I laid out the basic premise for how the Magic are going to move and operate this season. Um, they're going to enter the season, barring, you know, I I don't think that this Magic team would sell off Nikola Vucevic and Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon for pennies on the dollar uh, and, and essentially signal to the rest of the league that they're restarting. I don't think that's what this team's going to do. I think what the Magic want to do is begin building their team for the future. They want to begin uh, bringing in players that fit this team's long-term vision. So, while I said that the basic premise of the season is the Magic are trying to make the playoffs yet again, again, no reason to think otherwise. I mean, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll bring out a starting lineup this year of Markel Fultz, uh, for now, let's say Evan Fournier, probably James Ennis, uh, Alf, uh, Aaron Gordon, and then Nikola Vucevic. And then they could you know, bring in Alfred Camino off the bench, obviously got Terrence Ross. They'll, they'll either sign a point guard, they'll have Michael Carter-Williams, and of course, Mo Bamba. So they got a, they got a solid nine-man rotation. You know, they got a nine-man rotation. Whether you think that's solid or not is up for debate. They'll have their rookie to bring in. They'll have Chuma Okiki to bring in. There will be some talent, and there will be some competition within this roster. So again, is this team a runaway playoff favorite? No. Is this team likely to jump up into the 5-6 range unless Chuma Okiki or the, the rookie that the Magic draft are incredible? Probably not. So, we undoubtedly know that the Magic need change. So, that's not what the Magic's rotation is going to be coming into next year. So, the question then is, what do they do? How do they get better? Well, Evan Fournier's expiring contract, I think, is going to make him more valuable to trade at the trade deadline. I don't anticipate the Magic bringing back Evan Fournier after this season. Um, I don't anticipate the Magic bringing back DJ Augustine, although I think a one-year deal, maybe a two-year deal is possible. Um, I think that the Magic do value his veteran leadership. I think he is a very good influence on on Markel Fultz. Although I would agree wholeheartedly that he is probably the worst at playing with pace on the entire team. I I find it very difficult, and, and it is not my. I, I am not the most comfortable uh, predicting what's going to happen because, um, frankly, we just don't know. We just don't have the information. I have no clue what the Magic are going to do. I have spun through so many different trade scenarios to move up in the draft involving both Nikola Vucevic and Aaron Gordon. And some of them, I some of them I think, you know, there's a real chance of this. Some of them I'm thinking one of these teams isn't going to go for this. I have no clue how teams value Aaron Gordon. It's just so uncertain. And then on top of that, yes, the Magic do want to try and make the playoffs again. It's tough to deal Aaron Gordon. And it's tough to know what Magic are going to do before you know what they're going to get for any of these trade opportunities. So what I would say is this. Um, and I know this is nebulous. I know this isn't a hard answer. But I, I, I would say this. The Magic need to have a clear vision of who they want to be. What do they ultimately look like at the end of the road? What do they look like? What kind of team are they uh, when they're competing for championships? And obviously, the, honestly, like I, I, think, I think I'm in the minority of this. I really do think the Magic are closer than people think. I think the Magic are one, you know, I hate to say it. I hate to frame it this way because I know I framed it this way all offseason. 
the Magic are Jimmy Butler away from this thing being tied together. I I, I honestly believe that. Um, I know some people think I'm a little crazy on that. I don't think this team is very far. I think if they get a star and, and, and that locks players back into the correct roles, I think this team could really take off. Honestly, like I, I, I am, I am, I am wholeheartedly believing this. The Magic are a star player away from being, you know, not a content, not not like a a a, a Boston, you know, Milwaukee, Toronto contender, but. There's no reason to think that they couldn't be Indiana good. And I know I know that's not the end goal, but let's get to Indiana good and then we can figure out how to get to Boston Toronto good. You know, you know what I mean? It's it's sometimes it is baby steps. And if you top off at Indiana, you know, I uh, you know, I know I think I'm in the minority and this that's not the end of the world either. Like that, that's that's a perennial playoff team that makes smart decisions. They may not make the home run decision, but they make smart decisions and they compete every single year and they have a very tried and true identity. And honestly, like I think I think what's going on with Victor Oladipo and and firing Nate McMillan, while I think they're, the new coach that they hired is an, is, a, is a good hire, um, I, I think Indiana is actually in a prime position to slip a little bit this year um, with all the uncertainty that they're facing. Because if they lose Victor Oladipo, you know, again, are they as good as the Magic? I mean, TJ Warren's a nice player, don't get me wrong, but um, you know, the, the Magic have long tried to compare themselves to the Indiana Pacers at least the last two years now. Uh, and 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 that's a level that the Magic should feel that they are able to compete on is, is where the Pacers were last year. And and I think, honestly, that's part of the disappointment of last season was the Magic didn't get to that level that they very clearly should be at. So this is all to say then, I know, to, to, to get back to answering the question, what changes would you like to see from this group next year? I want to see the team make steps, even if it, even if it means for the season they take a step back, make steps to become the team they ultimately want to become. It is why I've been so strident and so intense saying that saying that uh, that the Magic need to have purpose in every trade that they make. They need to make sure that they're getting something of value to them uh, with every trade that they make uh, and that they should wait it out if that trade does not present itself. Trading a player just to trade a player isn't what this team needs to do. They need to get something out of it, something of value to them. We know what kind. We know generally the players that Jeff Waltman likes, the kind of uh, switchy defensive team that he that he wants to be. Go grab those players. Now, obviously, they need some skill too. They need some shooting. They need some of those skill skill offensive players. And, and I do think, like especially draft night, that's where the Magic should put their focus on. The Magic should put their focus and and, and Emily too. Put your focus on adding skills. But with these trades with the Nikola Vucevic trade, with the Aaron Gordon trade, with the Evan Fournier trade. If you're going to trade one of those big-name players on Terrence Ross, frankly, we don't we haven't talked a lot about Terrence Ross's trade value because I just I, I find it hard to believe that they'll trade him, but I think he has a lot of value on, on, around the league. Um, if the Magic are going to make a trade, that trade has to have purpose behind it, has to bring something to the Magic that they don't otherwise have that will make them better in the long run. And that's ultimately what I want to see from this team. We'll answer another question here uh, from the Orlando Magic Daily Mailbag in just a moment. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. 
Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, let's dive into another question in the mailbag. This one, a draft question, a little more philosophical question. Jake Hightower at Jake Hightower 34 asks, the general consensus seems to be to always draft who you perceive to be the best player available rather than drafting by need. Do you think the Magic are a case study in why this philosophy is not perfect? Got the rebuild, the Magic have not traded up in the first round. Why do you think that this is? Well, to answer that first question first, I think some of it is that the opportunity wasn't there. Um, I think that uh, you look at Weltman's done three drafts now. The first draft, he had the sixth pick in the draft. Got Jonathan Isaac. Solid, solid job there. Six pick in the draft again. Got Mo Bamba. So again, you know, not terrible job there. And then last year with the 15th pick, um, you know, I think the Magic were in a position where some key guys that they might want to deal were free agents. They had um, Nikola Vucevic and Terrence Ross were both free agents. Um, they probably, you know, they, they might have shopped Evan Fortier around. I wouldn't put that past them. But they probably thought that Aaron Gordon was still on an upward trajectory and they, they didn't want to deal him quite yet. I think... I think the Magic entered last offseason with a little bit of caution. And to be frank, not that the Magic didn't like Chumo Kiki. I think they really do like Chumo Kiki and hearing everything that they've talked about. They are really excited about him playing this year. Um, I think that they partially saw Chumo Kiki as a way to squeeze a little bit of money out for uh, to retain their players and kind of build off of what they did in 2019. Like I said throughout the year, the goal for the 2020 season was to confirm that the 2019 season wasn't a fluke. And despite all the struggles, despite all the frustrations, despite the, the questions that now face this Magic team this offseason, I think generally the Magic proved that 2019 was not a fluke and, and that they are a playoff-capable team even when they're not at their best. So, um, again, I, I, I think a lot of that has to do with opportunity. And again, I don't like to comment when I don't know what the opportunity was. Um, I, I'm not certain the Magic... I'm sure the Magic investigated. I'm sure the Magic looked into it. But I'm not certain that they really had the had had the, the the makings of a deal there. But that first question, though, is a really interesting one and an important one to ask. The general consensus seems to be always draft you perceive to be the best player available rather than drafting by need. You think the Magic are a case study and why this philosophy is not perfect? Um, this is a constant debate when it comes to drafting. Do you draft best player available or do you draft on need? Um. I think that there is a push and pull on this. I think need uh, informs who you think the best player available is in a lot of cases. For instance, if I were the Magic, I am not as interested in Patrick Williams or Isaac Okoro or um, some of the or J- even Jane McDaniels. Um, some of those players that are are kind of rangy three fours because the Magic have them in Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac and Chumo Kiki and 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 everyone and Al Aminu on the roster. They don't need any more of those guys. And so I do think that need matters in as far as, in so much as young players need to play a little bit. And, you know, I, I'm not someone that believes you give a young player 30 minutes and he let him figure it out. 
But you do want to put your young players in a position where they can contribute even on a small scale. You want to give them the opportunity to grow and blossom. Uh, And so in that sense, drafting on need does matter. And I think the further down the the list you go, um, the more likely it is that a team is going to draft on need, that a team is going to take a player that they feel can fill a specific need with their team. And again, especially those more established teams, those young players are going to have very narrowly defined roles. And so you can definitely pinpoint and say, okay, um, a Grant Williams is just going to be a rebounder and energy guy. We're going to play him maybe 10 minutes a game. Um, maybe he'll maybe he'll only play once, you know, maybe twice every five games or something like that. But that was a very defined role. And obviously you could see like, like Grant Williams was very, very good for the Boston Celtics with, with that kind of a role. Um, you know, I know a lot of people are frustrated that Mo Bamba isn't playing, but Mo Bamba is playing. I, I agree he should be playing. He should have played a few more minutes, but the point is that the match put him in a role where he could succeed and he was given at least some opportunity to play. And, and again, we could say what we want about Mo Bamba and, and his development. He was clearly the second best center on the team that last year, and I, I consider that major progress for him. He was very, very good. I, I personally thought that he was very, very good last year. So... Are the Magic somehow a perfect a poster child that best player available isn't the right philosophy? At this point, I think it's unclear. Um, I would say this. you know, When, when you're a team like the Magic that, that just needs talent, that just needs to continue increasing their talent, you, know, you need to bring in players that have major upside. Um, you know, we're going to talk about this. You know, we talk about this draft a lot. You know, there are guys like RJ Hampton and Cole Anthony that had bad years. Bad seasons. Uh, R.J. Hampton in Australia, call Anthony from uh, call Anthony from North Carolina, had bad seasons, but are undoubtedly talent talented. If they're available at fifteen, should the Magic pass on them because they don't fit a positional need? Or if they are the best player on your board, do you take them? Honestly, I I always think in the draft you can never go wrong taking the best player available. You can always figure out fit later. And if a rookie or a young player is better and clearly going to be better than the guys you have. That's even better because then you can make the trade that you want to make to free up space and get, and that's how you find need. That's how you fill need. Honestly, I think free agency and trades are where you get need. Like I said well, on the previous question, if the mag, you know, the Magic are going to make a trade with Nikola Vucevic, with Evan Fournier, with Terrence Ross, with Aaron Gordon, they need to fill a specific purpose. They need to bring something onto the team that they don't otherwise have. And I agree, a big thing that I think Jeff Weltman has to do this offseason is put focus back on the roster and figuring out how to make all these pieces fit, or at least the pieces they care about fit. If the Magic have an underlying goal, I mean, the overarching goal, again, is to make the playoffs again. I think that is, I think that is, that is something that this team wants to do. But if the un- there's an underlying goal going on here, I think the Magic want to see that Chuma Okiki can play and eventually perhaps supplant Aaron Gordon or become a starting three. They want to figure out what they have in Chuma Okiki. Um, and I think another kind of underlying goal they have is they want to see Mo Bamba take over for Nikola Vucevic, or at least put some pressure on Nikola Vucevic to say, hey, this Mo Bamba kid's ready to start, or this, this Mo Bamba kid is itching for more opportunity, and we're either going to give it to him or we got to trade him. That's the kind of decision point that the Magic need to get to with Mo Bamba. So again, you don't get there if you don't take talented players. You want internal competition, you want to be able to have guys compete and give them the chance to to play well, um, but 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 um, you don't you can't do that if you don't have talented players in the first place. So yes, I, I would say I, I honestly like 
The Chumo Kiki pick felt weird um, if the Magic were truly invested in Aaron Gordon. Um, and certainly the Alpha Rook Aminu signing made drafting Chuma Okiki feel even weirder. Um, so I, I don't deny that the Magic have, uh, you know, perhaps made some missteps. Again, I, I, I can justify the Alpha Rook Aminu signing, um, but we're certainly getting to a point where there is pressure on the roster uh, and, and someone's going to get squeezed out. And, and it sure feels like Aaron Gordon. So it wouldn't surprise me if they move Gordon this, this offseason or at the deadline. Um, certainly, I, I think Isaac's injury complicates things, but... Certainly with the trajectory that Jonathan Isaac was on, it sure felt like that an Isaac-Gordon pairing was coming to an end. That the Magic were going to have to make a choice to give Isaac the space to grow. And that may very well still be the case if the Magic need to make that call and give Isaac the space to grow when he gets onto the team and when he comes back to the team next season. Um, that, again, that's the kind of pressure you want. That's, that's when you know it's time to make a deal or when it's time to say, okay, let's really explore this trade market and, and just find something that helps this team get better. Again, that's the point of a trade. Fill a need. Make this team better in some way. Um, whereas the draft is, get a talented player. I mean, I had this discussion earlier today, actually, um, about the draft. I generally consider a good draft pick as a player that can contribute and play in the NBA. Um, you know, essentially, and, and, and I was pushed on this and told to ask to define it a little bit more because I, I do agree, get a really talented player. Go out and get a talented player that, you know, if he falls back and becomes a role player, that's great. But go maximize your pick. Go maximize the talent that you can get with your pick. Um, that I agree with. Um, but generally, I would say that a, a successful draft pick is a player that you would re-sign after their rookie contract is up, who you're willing to really invest in, invest some real money and not just time, but money uh, into and into their development. Um, so, you know, again, Aaron Gordon turned out to be a successful draft pick. Alfred Payton, um, you know, might have been the right pick or might have been the right guy to focus on, but but not a, you know, not a guy that the Magic ultimately decided to keep beyond um, his rookie contract. Um, you know, Mario Zonia certainly wasn't. Jonathan Isaac looks like he will be. Markel Fultz looks like he will be. Um, although not a Magic draft pick, but you get the gist. Um, that's that's kind of how I evaluate draft picks. So I, I don't think the Magic have been unsuccessful in the draft. Uh, I think that there have been certainly some areas where they could have maximized uh, their potential and their opportunity a little bit more. Um, but generally, you know, Jonathan Isaac is certainly a player. Uh, Mo Bamba, I think he's on track to be a real player and, and, and be a really good player, and I'm excited to see what he can do in 2021. Um, we still have to see what Shumo Kiki can do. Uh, so I, I don't think the Magic's draft philosophy has been necessarily wrong. Um, you know, I think, again, certainly areas where they could have maximized their picks a little bit more, um, especially uh, that that first first-round pick that the Magic had in the 20s uh, that, that they ended up trading. Um, but... Uh, but I, I generally think the Magic have been fine taking best player available. I expect them to take the, the best, the top player on their board now because, again, the draft is just all about bringing in talent. Bring in talent. You can figure out fit later. Um, you know, it's not like the Magic are picking at the first pick and expecting to get their superstar and their building block piece. They're looking to get a player that can help and contribute in some way. They can figure out how to make that work. And if that guy becomes something bigger and something better, even better. So you do want to swing a little bit. You do want to... You do want to bring in talent. You don't want to pigeon your, pigeonhole yourself and say, we need to take the best fit when the best player might not be someone that fits so clearly uh, on, on the team. One more question to go here on this mailbag episode. Be an interesting one, a big one for the offseason. We'll talk a little bit about Mar Markel Fultz and his future coming up here in just a minute. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? 
Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. So let's close our mailbag edition of the, uh, of the show with a, a, one important question. Really two that are kind of sneakily under the surface here. You know, we, we talk a lot about this offseason, about big picture issues, about what direction this franchise is going to go into and, and what this franchise and what this team ultimately wants to become. And yes, we've, you know, we, we, I am expecting that at least one of Nikola Vucevic, Evan Fournier, or Aaron Gordon, and possibly Terrence Ross, will be traded this offseason. I don't think the Magic can stand completely still, uh, but like I've said, those moves need to have a specific purpose and need to ha- be done with uh, a clear goal in mind of something they want to accomplish. But all of that is only getting done because it's time for some big paydays. Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz will become restricted free agents at the end of the 2021 season. And those are two big issues that the Magic are facing. So... Knowles407 at Magic underscore 407 asks, what type of deal do you think Markel Fultz gets? Let me expand that question. What kind of deal do I think Jonathan Isaac gets? Here's what I think is going to happen. And, and this, this, you know, I know I say I usually obfuscate and, and, and don't have any clear answers. And, and this, is, this is pure conjecture on my part. I do think the Magic are going to get an extension done with Jonathan Isaac before the season begins. I think that the Magic are fully invested in Jonathan Isaac. I think that they really like him. Um, I think that they believe he is a building block, and I think they have every faith that Jonathan Isaac is going to return from this torn ACL um, better, as good as he's ever been. Um, you know, I, I, I think that they have complete faith in this kid, and I think they're going to put their money where their mouth is, and, and this will be the first big risk of the Jeff Weltman era, and, and I truly mean this. I, I don't think... Jeff Waltman, I think Jeff Waltman has made relatively easy decisions to this point. Um, I think most of his work has been behind the scenes with the, behind the scenes with the team infrastructure and obviously with the coaching staff with Steve Clifford. They've done a lot to change as much as Jeff Waltman hates this word. They've done a lot to change the culture of this franchise and the culture of this team. They expect to win. Fans expect them to win, and they're disappointed when they don't. That is a good thing. Jeff Waltman deserves high marks for how he's done this season or done in his tenure so far. But he hasn't made any truly big risk. He hasn't pushed any chips into the center of the table. Resigning Jonathan Isaac, what he does with Jonathan Isaac, is absolutely a humongous risk no matter what he does. It is not an easy decision. Um, figuring out what he's worth, how much you're willing to invest in him, that has the potential to handicap you for years to come. As I've said numerous times, Jonathan Isaac is the one player on this roster that does anything at an elite level. Nikola Vucevic is a nice player. He's an all-star caliber player. He is a player, he is one of the best passing big men in the league, but he is not elite at anything. And it's very clear that he's not because while, you know, he is, uh, while, while he is able to do a lot of things on the court and, and be a big part of the Magic's offense in ways that don't show up on the stat sheet, he doesn't lift this team to another level. This team still clearly needs another guy 
to get this team to that next stage. Um, Vucevic should be the third option on a championship team, not the first option on a championship team. That's 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 just the truth. So, um, so how much do you invest in Jonathan Isaac, a, a player who's going to play only one healthy season in his four years um, in the NBA so far? I think that is a really, really difficult question to answer. Um, if I were the Magic, I would give him the Evan Fournier contract. Four years, $17 million per. Um, probably start on the low end in 2021, up it to its max level in, in his second and third season, and then try and drop it back down again in his fourth season. Um, I, I don't have the math in front of me, but essentially I would have a contract that averages out to about $17 million a year, which is what Evan Fournier got, uh, and give him four years. Um, you just I, 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 And I do that for a couple reasons. The first reason is, A, I want to show Jonathan Isaac that he is someone that we believe in. I want him to know and I want his representatives to know while he's rehabbing, while he's training to get back, that he has security, that he has long-term security, that we're not going to abandon him if anything goes wrong. Do your work. We believe in you. And not only does that send a clear message to Jonathan Isaac, that sends a message to the rest of the league. Um, And I know I mentioned this with Keith Smith the other day uh, in our podcast last week. A lot of what the Magic are doing um, is not... Yeah, I mean... I know a lot of people were critical of the four-year, $100 million contract the Magic gave Nikola Vucevic, um, which, again, I don't think was too far off his market value, to be perfectly honest. Um, uh, but, I, honestly, I think what the Magic were doing with that offseason was as much about a message they're sending to agents, to players around the league, that if you do well for us, we will take care of you. If you help us achieve our goals, you are our family. We will take care of you. I don't think that's nothing. As we mentioned last week, getting Al Farouk Aminu, as mismatched as that seemed, was a huge deal. The Magic convinced a starter on a Western Conference finalist to come off the bench for their team. That is a sign that things are changing, that perceptions are changing about the Magic. So what happens? Yes, you're tying yourself a little bit financially to Jonathan Isaac. And again, that, that is a, I'm not, not, not you know, disregard, disregarding the, the risk of that deal. But what you're doing is you are saying, we believe in you. You are our guy. We will take care of you. Do not worry about your long-term future. Having said that, signing him to a four-year, $17 million per year contract, that's also to protect him from going to the market, from someone else saying, we believe in you. We will take care of you. Here's a four-year front-loaded $80 million contract or a four-year poison pill $80 million contract. Are the Magic willing to pay that? Take care of him early. Get rid of that risk of another team swooping in, coming in with a big offer sheet and forcing the Magic to make a really difficult decision. I think the Magic can get Isaac cheaper now than they can in the summer. And if I were the Magic, that's what I would do. I would take care of this now. And I wouldn't wait. Marco Fultz is a different story, though. Um, while I think that the Magic are planning to keep Marco Fultz and believe that he is their future point guard... I think that if I were the Magic, I would say, I would, I would go to Fultz with an offer, and I would say, this is what we're thinking. Maybe four years, 12 million, like four year 54, four year 50, something like that. And say, this is what we're thinking. But we would love to see you prove us wrong, to prove us and do more. We, will, we, don't, we, 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 we want you to review this contract that we're offering you, but we, would also, we also don't mind if you want to go out and prove that you're worth more. You have a lot. You have. We believe in you. This contract will always be here. 
It'll be here next summer. If you do, if you play really well, it'll be more. We will take care of you in the summer if you if you go out and perform and play well. We believe in you, Marco Fultz. And if, frankly, if I'm Marco Fultz and his agent, I'm saying, you know, we, we appreciate everything Orlando's done. We appreciate everything that he's done for, for, for they've done for, our, for, for my client, for, for his career. Um, we believe that this is the right place for him. We just want to go out and prove ourselves a little bit more. We have one good year under our belt. Let's get a second, and then we can hit the negotiating table. And honestly, I think I think there will be a good negotiating relationship between the Magic and Fultz. And I think you'll ultimately come in probably getting a four-year, six somewhere in the $60 million range uh, when all is said and done. So again, if you're the Magic, you're, you're thinking about it this way, I'm really going to pay $32 million total for two, plus, for two starters that I think are going to be really, really good for two of my elite starters on the team. That's pretty good. I do think the Magic can get both Fultz and Isaac on team-friendly contracts. Obviously, if Fultz blows up this year, has an amazing year, uh, and his price goes up, that that changes some calculation. But I think the Magic still stay in the running and still want to bring him back. Um, and, and again, I think I think Fultz and his camp are really appreciative of everything the Magic have done for them uh, and, and given him the space to get better. And again, this is this has got to be a prove-it year for Fultz. Fultz has really got to prove what his value is in the league um, in his second full season. Um, I don't think the Magic get a deal done. I think the Magic put something on the table, but say, you know, we're happy to wait till the summer. We're happy to see what you can do. We're happy to see how this season plays out. We believe in you. We have no intention of letting you go. We have no intention of trading you. You are a point guard of the future, and we want to pay you as such when the time when the time comes. So I don't think, I think Isaac gets done. If I were the Magic, I'd be pushing really hard to get Isaac done. Um, if if I'm with Fultz, I'm I'm happy to get something done now if he, he values security, but I'm also willing to wait and, and see what he does this season and see if he can match and exceed last season, which I have no reason to think that he won't. I mean, it's, uh, you, most most young players get better between their first and second years, and this is essentially Fultz's second year coming into the league now, um, for second full season playing. I, I have no reason to believe that 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 wouldn't be the case. So, uh, I, I think with the I think Fultz is probably looking at a contract. You know, right now I'd offer him four for sixty, starting at like fifteen million per. Maybe, maybe I go a little bit lower, start at twelve. You know, do like a four for forty nine or something like that. Um, kind of, uh, sorry, four for sixty. You know, somewhere in the four for fifty range. Somewhere, I, I want to keep that, try and keep that value a little bit low. But I, honestly, if if I'm Jeff Weltman, and and again, there's there's a lot of indications to show that that Jeff Weltman's a guy that a lot of agents really like working with. If I'm Jeff Weltman, I. I, I am definitely trying to. I'm definitely willing to say, look, you know, we know this is this that last year was essentially your rookie year. We're willing to wait and see what you do this second year and get back to the negotiating table and change these numbers, throw them out, you know, go higher. If you play a lot better, this will be there if, if you want it. So I, I I I do think that the Magic are going to slow play Fultz a little bit. I do think the Magic will push to get Isaac done, and I think those are two very big very big issues that aren't getting talked a lot about this off season that are going to be very, very big issues um, heading into December when we get toward the start of the season. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. You can always interact with me online at omagicdaily or at philiprr underscore omd. That's philip with one L, rr underscore omd. You can always email the show as well at omagicdaily at gmail.com. I'm always happy to answer your questions and interact with the fans. It is one of my favorite things to do as the editor of OrlandoMagicDaily.com as well as the host of Locked on Magic. I love interacting with you. I love our debates. I love our arguments. Sometimes they cross the line a little bit, but 
Um, generally, generally, uh, honestly, generally, Magic fans are asking the absolute right questions. A very perceptive fan base. So I'm very, very happy um, to to be here as a conduit for some of the discussions that we have uh, online here on the show. And again, I'm, I, I crowdsource a lot. So if there's something you're interested in or a question that you have, it causes me usually to research things a little bit more. And I do get posts out of it. I do get ideas out of it. So. I'm here to listen to you guys as much as uh, you're here to listen to me spout off at the mouth a little bit too much. Um, <laughs> uh, you can, of course, follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me again on Twitter at underscore MD for the latest on the Orlando Magic, including our latest draft prospect profile. Check out orlandomagicdaily.com. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.